0: Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Hey, good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast, and I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we are helping you turn your cities upside down, helping you right wrongs. And how are we doing that? Scriptural motivation and strategies, friends. That's how we do it. We're not out here independent of the Lord. We are desperately in need of his leading and his guidance, his wisdom, his counsel, his strategic advantage, hallelujah, that he gives to us by way of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we're ahead of the game, friends. And so you're out there, what are you doing? You are out there delivering the gospel of Jesus because we're not ashamed of that gospel because it is the power unto salvation to all who believe. And uh, we're not just dominating people. We're not trying to control people. We are actually giving them what they need, the truth, to come out of the bondage of the devil that they've been living in. Hallelujah, friends, that's our gospel. Again, what is our gospel? Well, it's an invitation to become the bride, the body, and the building or the temple. Hallelujah. It's a phenomenal gospel, friends. So let's get out there and let's turn cities upside down because righteousness just explodes in the hearts of the people. Hallelujah. Oh, it's tremendous. Praise God for it. Hey, we thank you again for tuning in. Let me give you a a little... um, uh, encouragement here. Hallelujah. I was trying to think of what, what, to say. Uh, we're producing CDs. And so what we started doing is mailing these, mail, mailing these, that's right. Snail mail mailing these at no charge to those that this is one of the ways that they could get a hold of the content. If you are a follower of the podcast, a subscriber, and there's a particular episode that you're like, yeah, so-and-so needs, needs to hear that. But, uh, they're not all techie or digital, and they need a CD. Well, we got you covered there. Every, everything else is totally free. This is free, but I, I mean, you can get all of our stuff on every available podcast platform. We're on YouTube, Facebook. I mean, we're everywhere. Uh, we're on XM Radio Network, so you can look us up there. Anyways, this one is called What About Love? This was episode 145, and uh, we just dived into the conversation on love, which is fitting today because I'm going to talk a little bit about that in today's Uh, podcast. But if that would be a blessing to you or somebody that you know will reach out to us, send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. And we'll get that out to them at no charge. All right. Praise the Lord. What about love? That's a great one. Okay. Also, I want to invite you to participate in a project that we've got going on, uh, on our property here in Harrison, Arkansas. We have a facility that we believe the Lord said to turn into a studio. And so we're going to put three studio sets over there. One of them is an interview style. So we want to expand our opportunities to sit down and and produce content like that in an interview style where we have guests on and just have a conversation with them. The other studio is to expand our podcast studio. If you're watching me, uh, you can see a little bit of our studio here. This has worked out excellent, uh, but it's a little bit small. I want to expand it just slightly to be able to do some other things with some guests to have on the podcast in this format And then the third studio is what we're calling Equippers Academy and Equippers University. And this is where we can produce content that will be able to feed brand new believers, new believers, uh, like the milk of the word, and all the way up to lead them all the the way up uh, with uh, teachings and, um, you know, trainings that will develop them even all the way up to a university level. So if you want to participate in that, we say thank you in advance. You can go to our website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give, select the drop-down menu, and click on Studio Project. And again, uh, any gift is tax-deductible. And we say thank you so much for partnering with us to accomplish that vision. Hallelujah. All right, let's jump into this today. And uh, I'm calling this the forgiveness of faith the forgiveness of faith. And uh, let's jump right here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians 5, verse 6, and it says, Faith working through love. The King James of that uh, verse says, Faith which worketh by love. And I dove into this verse one day because I thought, well, that's very interesting. I want to know what that word work or worketh or working means. And I found out in the Greek that the Greek word is um, the root word where we derive the English word energy, energy. Here's what it means. It means to put forth power. It means the force of expression. This is the word translated working or worketh in your English Bibles, but the Greek word means to put forth power. It means the force of expression. It means the ability to do, and it also means action and or operation. Again, the Greek word is where we get the English word energy from. And we could say it like this. Faith is energized by love. We could also say faith is powered or fueled by love. Faith is powered or fueled by love. And then the last definition of this Greek word translated working, it means this, to display oneself. Remember it says faith worketh by love or Faith is uh, empowered by something in order to display itself. So we could say it like this love effectually displays itself as faith. Love effectually displays itself by faith. And then from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, we could say this love believes. Love believes. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love's love hopes all things, and love endures all things. When love is in full operation, come on somebody, faith is a byproduct. Faith is a byproduct when love is in full operation. You know, some years ago, I remember when I came across this phrase and it fit situations that I was dealing with and it was, the, it was this idea of a faith failure. You ever had any faith failures? <laughs> Believing for something didn't happen, didn't work out? or you you just totally got disappointed or put out or whatever the situation was, sometimes we categorize or summarize those situations. We call it a faith failure. Well, I remember when, when the Lord said, hey, look, it's not really a faith failure. It's actually a love failure. Faith failures are in actuality love failures. When we violate the love command, then our faith is not going to be working strong. You've been standing for healing. We need to check up on our love walk. You're standing for finances. You're Believe in God, you've got your faith out there for a a certain situation or circumstance. What about our love walk? Is there something that just doesn't seem like it's not working out the way maybe it should work out? Well, maybe we should check up on our love walk. This is why we're talking about this today. And we're gonna zero in on the forgiveness part of love. That's, That's where we're ultimately going here. So why is faith powered or fueled by love? Well, if you look at Matthew 22, Matthew 22 and verse 40, it says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All the law, or we say all the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well, what two commandments? We back up a couple verses to verse 37, Matthew 22, 37. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he said, This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what about the law of faith then? Romans 3, 27, it says, where is the boasting? Is it excluded? By what law? Is it the law of works? He says, no, but the law of faith. So right here we see that there is a law that governs the operation of faith. So what does this law of faith hang on? What hangs on the law or the command of love again the law of faith is available for display remember it it worketh it worketh or is empowered or energized by the law of faith is available for display when it is empowered by love to do so we could say it like this faith is allowed or authorized when these commandments are obeyed so if you're wondering why you have a faith failure or it seems like you just can't Lay hold of a thing, like your grip on the promises of healing, for example, or any any promise that is located in Christ Jesus. Maybe your grip on them seems to be so weak. You say, "Oh, I just don't have any faith." No, no, no. It's not that you don't have faith. You've been given the measure of faith. What we need to back up is check on: Have I violated the love command? Have I uh, done something against somebody that would? Um, prove that I have broken the law of love. So here we see that God hinged all the laws. Here we found out in Romans 3 that there's the law of faith, but he hinged all these laws or hung all these laws upon the operation of the law of love or the following through or the obedience or yieldedness to the law of love. And he put it in this order. Number one, love God. And then number number two, love others. I found this interesting when I was looking at this, that uh, you can't just love God and operate in faith. You can't say, I love God, but have hatred in my heart towards someone else and think that our faith is going to be strong. Those laws that are dependent upon the fulfilling of the law of love are not going to be in full operation when we're violating the love command. So here, he hinged it together. Again, you can't just say, well, I love God, but I hate everybody else. You know, I I can't just say, well, no, 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 I love God, but I don't want anything to do With you, when appropriate, you have to have both in place. You have to have love God, and you have to have love others, and we have to be yielded and obedient to those two commands. Let's go to Mark eleven. I love this passage in Mark eleven. We're going to look at verse twenty, and uh, this is probably a very popular passage of Scripture when it comes to uh, believing God and receiving certain things from him or promises from him. Look at this in verse 20, Mark eleven twenty. 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. If you've ever dug into this passage of scripture, you'll know that from the Greek words there, that it's actually saying, have the God kind of faith. He marveled. And Jesus would say, hey, look, no, no, no. You can have this kind of operation in your life. Oh, praise God for it. Again, we've been given the measure of faith. We've been given the God kind of measure of faith. We've been given something to start and to work with. Hallelujah. So he says, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever He says, verse 24, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Hallelujah. One thought that I want to add to this section here is uh, when you pray, you have to believe that you receive it at the moment you pray. A lot of people want to like have this act and this action of prayer but yet in their heart, they're really not sure if they've taken uh, possession of a thing. You know, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified Bible says faith is the title deed. Well, what's a title deed? Title deeds are proof of ownership. If you don't have that proof of ownership at the moment that you ask for the thing, then you're really not in faith for it. And some people say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, that's, that's not faith. Faith demands that you take ownership of a thing before you actually see it fleshed out. The word which brings illumination to God's will concerning anything. 1 John five fourteen and 15, it says, we ask according to his will. Well, how do you know what his will is? Because his word comes to you. His word is abiding in you. Jesus said, if my words abide in you, you'll ask. Well, what are you asking in accordance with? The word that's abiding in you. So the word brings illumination. Remember that in Psalms, the entrance of his word giveth what? Light or understanding. Remember John 1, John chapter 1, he says this, light or the word, or excuse me, this life was the light of men. It illuminates. He's on the inside of you, giving you direction, insight, understanding. This is the strategic advantage we have with him because he is dwelling on the inside of us. His word is on the inside of us. And so his his words are illuminating. They're giving us information. They're giving us revelation. They're giving us understanding of what's to come. And so when that insight comes to us, we ask in connection, come on, with the revelation of his word. Remember Psalms, he said he's perfecting that which concerns me. So we ask in connection with or in agreement with his word. Now, when you stand there praying, this is what he said, when you pray, believe that you receive. So you have to take possession of it, based on, just solely based on the revelation of his word, you take possession of it. And then what happens? Your faith goes to work putting flesh to it. Hallelujah. Faith then becomes the substance of things hoped for. Faith becomes the evidence or the title deed or the proof of that which you have received from him. Again, in Mark 11, when you stand there, you know, some people pray and then they go, well, you just never know. Or, or, you know, Lord, if it be thy will. Those kinds of prayers don't release any faith. Because you are you, in order to release faith, you have to pray according to his will. In order to take possession of something, you have to know what his will is on it. And some people have this theology that, well, you just never know. Well, if you just never know, you can never stand in a place of confident prayer. If you never know, then your faith cannot become the title deed to anything. You have to know, friends. And the Bible says, don't be foolish, but be wise knowing the will of, of the Lord. He says, don't be drunk, be sober. You can know God's will. And that's the first obstacle. Maybe you need to overcome that first lie that you need to dispel that first imagination. You need to cast down is this idea, this religious idea that, well, you just never know. No, 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 no. That is a, that is a lie that, that keeps you in a, uh, in a place where you're vulnerable to the devil." you are open and susceptible to being robbed of everything that is already yours in Christ Jesus. Remember, it says this, all promises, all the heavenly, all the spiritual promises are yes and amen where? In Christ, meaning this, whatever promise you can locate in Christ Jesus uh, is uh, uh, is an automatic yes. If you can find it in Christ, Now, remember 1 John 5, it says we ask according to his will. Now, I don't know anything about that stuff outside of his will. I'm not interested in that stuff. I'm only interested in what is within the confines of his will. That's the stuff that concerns me. So we look into Christ. We look into the word. Remember, the word became flesh. We look into the word. We look into Christ. And what are we looking for? We are intentionally locating those things which are according to his will. Once I can locate something that's according to his will, And I have found it in Christ. The Bible says it's an automatic yes if it's in Christ. So those promises are mine. And when I come to him boldly, uh, uh, come to him boldly uh, right there in the throne of grace, in the throne of, of grace, what am I doing? I am laying hold by faith of that which is provided for me in Christ Jesus via grace. And I have to lay claim to it. I have to take possession of it the moment that I pray for it. So if you're praying for healing, you, you can't stand there and go, well, I don't know if it's your will. So I guess I'm just going to idly talk right now. I guess I'm just going to make up a bunch of words, but I really don't know what I'm asking for. And I really don't know what I'm going to leave with because I am not in a place of confidence based on your word or will or revelation about those things that concern me. And so I'm not laying hold. I'm not grabbing, I'm not taking anything out of this prayer. I'm just I'm just acting in religious rhetoric and motion here. Listen, if that's you, you've, you've got to change that. Uh, no wonder we're not having any more breakthrough or victory or, uh, quote, answered prayer or supernatural provisions or healings taking place in our life because you, you're not taking anything. All right, so that's the first battle that we've got to overcome there. So again, let's go back to this. So he says, have this God kind of faith. Remember, they marveled and they said, Jesus... What you prayed and asked for, what you commanded actually happened. He said, it can happen to you too. And he gave us some ideas here. You know, this is part of it. And We add it with other scriptures. You know, it harmonizes like with 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Other passages, John, where he's talking about the word has to abide in us. You know, we're just not randomly making stuff up. The word is revealing it to us. The word's talking to us. The word is illuminating us. Is the word in you? Is the word in you? You know, some, sometimes we might even have to say, you know, when somebody says, well, I just don't know what God's will is. Are you in the word? Have you asked him to reveal his will to you? James, remember James? He said, if you lack wisdom, let him ask. God will give you liberally. Hallelujah. And we say, Lord, what is your will? You know, what's your will towards healing? Well, if you actually have a posture, a humility that is seeking truth, and, and, and you say, God, show me in your word. Show me in your word. Reveal your word. To me, I, w- I want to get that word in me, in me, where it starts talking to me, where it starts responding to me, where it starts creating desire. I want to get that word in me, where it starts illuminating uh, the knowledge of His will. Hallelujah! And if you have that posture of honesty, I'm telling you, friends, you are going to see it. You'll see it so clear that you'll repent of being so obstinate towards His word, especially in the areas of healing and provision. It seems like those a couple big messages out out here that people want to tackle all the time. Well, the devil would love to keep you sick and broke, friends. Listen, just repent of that garbage, come out of that religious tailspin, and let's get, uh, you know, rightly divide his word so that you and I can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive those promises that are an automatic yes in Christ. Hallelujah. All right, now, so he's, he's talking about all this. And then verse 25. Oh, we cannot forget verse 25. Listen, you cannot do verse 23, 24 without 25. You cannot ignore verse 25. What does verse 25 say? And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. Why? So that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Remember, he connects... Again, the operation of faith, because faith is displayed or empowered by love. And love forgives. Let me say that this other way. Unforgiveness violates the command of love. And so he's saying, look, you cannot be standing in this place where you are going to attempt to actualize, activate, utilize, take advantage of the God kind of faith to receive things from him that are according to his will, you're not going to stand in that operation and have unforgiveness in your heart towards a bunch of people. He's saying that's not going to work. So he, he put these together. He hinged them together. The law of faith, come on, hangs on what? The law of love. Again, unforgiveness violates the command of love. Now let's look at this word here from verse 25, Mark 11:25. 25. Let's look at this word, forgive. It's the Strong's number 863. And it means to send away. It means to cast off. It means to allow to expire. It means to let go. Forgiveness means to let go. It means to give up. It means to keep no longer. Unforgiveness hangs on to stuff. This word forgive means to release possession of. It means to abandon. Forgiveness means to abandon something. You ever hung hung on to something? You know, you kept something alive. In fact, uh, it, it actually this this word uh, from the Strong's they define it as this: to move on because something has died. You ever heard that phrase, keeping something alive? You know, it's kept alive in your thoughts, kept alive in your heart, it's kept alive in your meditation, it's kept alive in your diaries or whatever. You ever kept something alive that just needed you? you know, to you know, uh, just to be taken off of life support. You ever? just kept pumping something in into something. Um, Sometimes we just need to go on. That, That situation is old. It's dead. It's gone. Why are we keeping it alive in our own thinking? Well, forgiveness moves on because something's dead. It means to leave in order to go on to another place. Have you ever been trapped in a place because you couldn't just let something go and it's held you? Really, unforgiveness is keeping you in bondage, not necessarily the other person, not necessarily the other person. Now it's robbing from them certain things. uh, But unforgiveness is, uh, somebody said this once, that unforgiveness is like you drinking poison thinking it's hurting the other person. Like if I have unforgiveness towards somebody, that unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and, uh, you know, killing me. But if I drink this poison, I'm thinking it's hurting them. That's what unforgiveness does. It's, it's, it's really, it sabotages the one who's holding on to it. Now, so Mark eleven twenty five, 25, he said, forgive so that your father may also forgive you. Again, he's hinged this operation of faith on forgiveness. This is why I titled this, The Forgiveness of Faith. You cannot be in strong, work to, uh, working, active faith and have unforgiveness in your heart. Matthew six fourteen, he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you verse 15 but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses well that's some that's some tough language right there that's some that's some tough love Deuteronomy 28:2 look at this all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God now in the old testament he said You need to obey these. And they had these laws, right? They had the Ten Commandments, then they had these other laws. And he hinged the blessing of the Lord. He hinged that on them obeying him. They had to obey him if they wanted to walk in the blessing. Deuteronomy 28, it's got all the things that the blessing was going to do. Oh, man, it did all kinds of stuff. Man, it brought increase. They would not go without. They would multiply. They would prosper. I mean, they would be a symbol and a source. You know, that's what he prophesied to him in another place. You'd be a symbol and a source of the blessing. He said, I'll make your name great. I'll prosper you. You know, uh, you'll be the head, not the tail. I mean, all these promises. And he connected it to obeying the commands, the commandments. He connected that with obeying the voice of the Lord, their God. Now, over in the New Testament, this is what we're talking about. You know, over in the New Testament, and I read these verses, he said, I'll give you a new command. All right, so they had these commandments back here. And he says, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to summarize all those commands in this one word or in this one phrase. So in the New Testament, we find out there's one law now. In this second covenant, there's one law now. Galatians 5.14 says it like, like this. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. He says what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see the command of love here? The entirety of the New Testament has one law, and it's love. And he broke it down. He says, Love God and then love your neighbor. Unforgiveness, again, violates the command of love. Look at this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Of course, this is the love chapter. And while you're turning there, let me say this. Unforgiveness is a constant reminder of a wrong done to you. Now, listen, these wrongs can be actual, meaning something literally did happen to you, or they can be perceived. Have you ever read into a situation? Man, I have. Have you ever perceived a wrong done to you, and there's a good chance that it actually wasn't intended to be the way you took it or received it? Yeah, that's totally real. Unforgiveness, though, hangs on to this. Unforgiveness is a constant reminder we're festering, we're angry, we're upset, we're mouthy, we're cussing maybe, we're cursing. Uh, unforgiveness just keeps this animosity. Unforgiveness is like vigilante justice. We think we're trying to grasp for the right thing in this situation by harboring this animosity towards some, someone. Uh, but the Bible's telling us, listen, that's a dangerous place. You know, I just did a podcast here recently that goes along with this, And it was talking about the justice or excuse me, the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of the Lord. And we found out that God loves justice. We found out that God will avenge us. But again, he hinges his judicial system on the fact of whether or not you and I will forgive. If we won't forgive, then we tie God's hands, so to speak. We, we, We keep him, we limit him, we bind him from actually enacting justice or even reviewing our situation uh, when a wrong is done to us. If we can't forgive, then he can't avenge us. And he said, vengeance is his. And we're warned in Romans and in Hebrews and and in other places. And there's even a prophecy about him from Isaiah 61 that he wants to uh, bring about justice to his people who have been done wrong by evil doing and evil folks, etc. But again, He says, if you try and serve justice yourself, you get out into the arm of the flesh, you you get over into the flesh, you get into the natural and the flesh and carnality. And if you're trying to enact justice for yourself, then you limit him from doing it. But he promises that if you will forgive, then he'll take your case up. So we have to trust him. You know, sometimes, you know, I think we're afraid that if I don't, uh, you know, beat this person up in my mind, you know, if... I don't, you know, condemn this person in my own thinking, then nothing's going to happen, that they're going to get off scot-free, that they're going to go on without any justice, that they're going to get away with something. And I'm the one here that's, you know, had the perpetration done or something stolen or some harm done to me or something. But this is where we have to trust the word. And the Bible says, Jesus said, listen to my podcast just a couple weeks ago where we, we talked about this. We went over several scriptures where it is God's heart. He loves justice. He hates robbery. He loves justice. He said, vengeance is mine. He said, I will avenge if, come on, friends, if you and I take our hands off of it. How do we take our hands off of it? How do we quit touching that situation? How do we move on from that situation and allow him to move in? We forgive and God will get involved. You have to believe that, friends. And if you don't, I'm telling you, unforgiveness will tear you up. Unforgiveness and bitterness will literally destroy your physical body. Not only will it keep you in in mental uh, turmoil, unforgiveness is a bondage that you keep yourself in. It's like you lock yourself in a cage, and you constantly rehash these things that were done wrong to you. And guess what? No justice can be served in your situation because you're keeping God from reviewing your case because you've kept it held up to yourself. You've kept that situation to yourself, and I'm telling you, it's you're the you're the one who's in bondage. Some people, literally, they're suffering under physical conditions. They got ulcers, they got stomach problems, they've got cancers, they've got arthritic problems, arthritic problems because of unforgiveness, bitterness. Now, not in every situation, not all those uh, sicknesses and so on are connected to forgiveness, but surely many are. The Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Cancer Treatment Centers of America. You can look it up. They have a therapy track called Forgiveness Therapy. Forgiveness Therapy. Yeah, it's a real thing, friends. Look it up. And uh, I was looking into this, and this was several years ago, but of those uh, cancer patients, those afflicted with cancer in their physical bodies, who got involved in this particular uh, therapy track called Forgiveness Therapy, 65% of those who went through forgiveness therapy were completely healed of cancers in their physical body. Now, maybe not all cancer is directly connected to unforgiveness, but surely much of it is. Maybe not all cancers, maybe not all autoimmune diseases are connected to unforgiveness and bitterness, but surely many are. And here, it's like we're drinking poison because somebody else did us wrong. How stupid is that, friends? We need to release that situation. If somebody actually has done us wrong, this is what Jesus said. He said he coals a fire on their head. How do we do that? We say yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I do that? Jesus said pray for him. Jesus said bless them. Jesus said let it go. Jesus said dust the, uh, you know, shake the dust off your feet, shake the dust off your hands. Somebody's doing doing you wrong. Just. Turn it over to the Lord. Now, you and I think, again, you know, lest I repeat myself. But you and I struggle. The enemy come, comes in. The enemy will come in. And he will say, man, if you even dare say the words, I forgive you, you know they're going to go off scot-free and nothing's going to get done. And you're going to be here suffering under the uh, weight of some sort of persecution or whatever. And they're going to go on and nothing's ever going to happen to them. And they're just going to be blessed and in grace and and you're here losing. (laughs) Man, I've thought that so many times, personally. I mean, there's uh, yeah, do a word study in Proverbs. It's it's quite neat, uh, quite fascinating. The counsel that we're given, because we're actually cautioned not to think that way. Because it looks like, sometimes in the short run, it looks like, in the short run, that these evil people are getting away with everything. I mean, it looks like it. it, it I mean, it kind of looks like it. i have to be honest. It sure does look like it. I mean, there's been situations to where something was done to us that was pretty significant. And it looked like they were going to get away with it. I mean, it absolutely looked like they could do whatever they want and nothing was going to happen to them. And here we were, you know, under conviction of the Holy Ghost to forgive to be humble, to not freak out, you know, I had a situation happen to me and I was trying to figure out how to sue him. (laughs) I mean, uh, bless, bless the Lord. Anyways, I was, I was, you know, I was thinking through this scenario of how I was going to get back at him and, you know, take him the task and, um, you know, get our, you know, get what was due us or whatever. And I'm sitting on the lawnmower one day, I'm here at the church, I'm mowing the yard and man, I'm wrestling with this man and uh, finally, praise God, I got to this point, and the Lord was saying, you need to let this go, and I did, and I called them all by name, and I said, I forgive you, and I'll release this, and you know, I had to do that more than once, I had to do it more than once, you know, we're going to wind up in Luke 17, and right there, he says 70 times 7, you know, I was, man, I was taking advantage of that, but yet, I was struggling, fearing, I was afraid that God would not watch out over us, I was mistrusting him. Of course, you know, the enemy, those lies were adding to that and embellishing that, but I was mistrusting that God would get involved in this situation. And I mean, I've been in multiples of these situations, man, where I was just so ticked off that I was the one that seemed like I'm the one that got the short end of the stick for being truthful, honest, integrous, upright, you know, holding to values and standards and morality and ethics and et cetera, et cetera, and purity and honor and et cetera. And it seems like the more right I did, it's like the more I was losing. And I was like, God, what is up? You know, I started to get mad. But honestly, what it was is my heart. I was mistrusting that God could get involved and 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 fix this situation uh, and bring about a greater good. I was mistrusting that process. So I was hanging on I was hanging on to the situation, trying to figure out how I could bring about justice for the wrongs done to me. And th- Those are hard lessons, friends. I'm not saying those are easy things to navigate. I'm not saying that it was all, you know, roses and, you know, uh, snow cones and ice cream and, you know, fun and games. It-, it was difficult. It was hard. It was hard on me. It was hard on my flesh. I didn't want to forgive. I didn't want to let that go. I wanted justice and see, but I was being tricked by the enemy to think, uh, to think that unforgiveness was tolerating this situation, right? I was being seduced by the enemy lying to me saying, Hey, if you forgive, then you're condoning this. And that's not the, that's not the case friends. That's not how that works. That's not the truth to forgive is not condoning to forgive is not tolerance to forgive is not uh, substantiating what's going on. You're not agreeing with the perpetrator or the injustice or the persecution. Forgiveness doesn't agree with it. Forgiveness is a strategy, friends. Forgiveness is what sets us up for God to get involved and review this situation and him to avenge. Listen, remember what was it? Hebrews that said, it's a fearful thing to falls in, fall into the hands of the Lord. God knows what to do. God knows what to do. You and I don't know what to do. And sometimes the enemy will try and lure us into the arena of the flesh because he knows we're no match for the enemy there. We have to stay seated in our high place. And one of the ways we stay seated is by not violating, by fulfilling, by obeying the command of love. Are you in 1 Corinthians 13, 5 yet? So we're saying that unforgiveness is a constant reminder of wrongs done to us. Notice what this verse says. I'm going to read it to you from the uh, New Living. It says, love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Oh, Jesus, help us. Hallelujah. I think I was irritable this last week. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Jesus. I repent of irritability. Love does not demand its own way. You know, anybody that demands, I ran into a demander the other way, the other day he was demanding, but I was like, wait a second. I kind of want to push back on this brother a little bit, but I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to forgive. Hallelujah. You know, remember what Jesus said? He said, you heard, remember? He said, you heard. He was talking about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but he brought in something a little bit different here. And again, When we read some of these scriptures, it makes it look like God just wants us to get beat up on like punching bags. There's nothing we could do about it. But no, 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 that, that, you know, really that's not a, that's, that's not a full counsel. Everything's got to work together in harmony. And we see his strategy when we look at the scriptures in harmony. But some of these verses like turning the other cheek and sometimes people go, man, what does God want, want me to do? Just absolutely get beat up and not defend myself. No, no, no. If somebody come, comes at you swinging, just don't let them hit you. That's, that's not what the Bible's saying, they, that you don't you know block somebody throwing a fist at you. No, no, no. That's silly. When it turns the other cheek, he's not just saying, just lay, lay, lay there and get the snot beat out of you. No. But he's saying, when wrong's done to you, how do you respond? He's checking us on the heart level. Uh, he's saying, When somebody misuses you, here's what I want you to do. Remember, because he he already said that he loves justice. He hates robbery, but he loves justice. And so he's given us a strategy. He's actually telling us, I want to get in here and, and, and help you in this situation, but here's how it's got to work. When somebody does you wrong, he says, instead of just naturally reacting, and mouthing off in return, trying to return eye for an eye in the natural, in the flesh. He says, this is what I want you to do. He said, when somebody does you wrong, he said, I'll, I'll, I want you to stop and pray for them. He said, when somebody does, does you wrong, instead of uh, knee-jerk reacting and saying some condemning curse to them, he says, no, no, no. Let the first words out of your mouth be a blessing. Now, catch the strategy here, friends. What this does... Is it allows God? Listen to my the Vengeance of the Lord podcast. It allows God to come in mightily strong into that situation. Listen, God can mess some. God knows how to uh, mess some folk up. What I mean by He can bring about justice and judgment in such a way that will bring them to the very edge of themselves, and either they repent. Come on, which is really the ultimate here is that the reality of their actions would be so monumental to them. They would see the reality of the death uh, that's associated with these actions, and they would be really terrified and turn to the Lord and cry out to be delivered from their sin. But if somebody does something wrong to you and you just turn around, and you just curse back at them, and you say, you no good fool, you stupid so-and-so, you you know, you know, son of a, you know what I mean? You start laying these words out there, and you start condemning them. You start throwing, uh, you start accusing and, and, and condemning them to hell just off the cuff. Listen, the Bible says then you work against the strategy of, of the Lord to bring about the appropriate and accurate and unbiased kind of vengeance into that situation. Don't fall prey for that kind of stuff. You know, listen, and and this goes hand in hand with patience. Listen, there are people out here that are screwing up left and right, but we have to be patient, friends. If you step out of love, there's nothing God can do for you. Again, he's not tolerating or condoning these injustices, these perpetrations, but you keep him from moving if you take that justice into your own hands. So this is why we have these strategies that you think, and I've thought it, makes us look like wimps. But no, 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 uh-uh. It's not wimpy. Oh, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm telling you, uh, to fall into the hands of the Lord is a fearful thing, the Bible says. Woo, uh No, no, no. Go through and do a word study of all, all the places where God says that he's going to avenge his people. So... It's it's foolishness to the world. Remember that first first Corinthians two. He has a strategy that makes you look like on the short end, makes you look weak because you're not fighting back. Come on, fight back! Come on, fight me! Fight me! Fight me! You know, I'm telling you, the devil's trying to draw you into the arena of the flesh, and because the devil knows, <laughs> oh, I tell you, the devil knows. He knows that if he can get you lured into the flesh, go ahead and rattle off a bunch of cuss words. Go ahead and say something stupid. Just do it. That's that, the the devil's trying to coax you into saying something in the flesh, becoming impatient, put out, upset, annoyed. He wants you to go ahead and curse, say something He's because he's got you then. He's got you. That's not strength, friend. That's weakness. You fell prey to pressure. Yeah, I know. It feels like we're like a wuss here. Somebody does me wrong, and and I just got to say, well, bless you, brother somebody's trying to coax me into a fight. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to fight you. You know, I'm, no, I'm just going to bless you. You know what? Be blessed, man. I, I forgive you. Somebody's trying to say, come on, come at me. Come at me, you, you loser. Come at me, you wuss. Come on, you, 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 you wimpy. You weakling. Fight me. Come on, fight me. Say something to me. Say something to me. Come on, come on, say something to me. Say something. To, let me have it. Let me l- notice how the devil coaxes you in this stuff here. Well, just tell me what you're really thinking. Come on, just tell me what you're really thinking. Oh, I know you want to. Yeah, he. What's he doing? He's trying to circumvent justice. Don't fall prey to that. Oh man, I don't. I, I'm. I'm embarrassed of how many times I have fallen prey to that. Because you know, you feel like you. You feel weak. You feel like you, you, you're undefended. You feel like uh, you're tolerating. You feel like you're. You're you're at a loss. There's nothing you can do. But that's just not true. Oh, I'm telling you, I pray I'm growing in that. Thank you, Father. You're helping me with that right now. And Father, those that are listening, you're helping us get the get the get get the strength of the word under us in these matters. Listen, somebody does you wrong, let's be quick. Hey, you know what, brother? I forgive you. And then you know what? We can kind of smile and on the inside go, thank you, God, for getting involved. Lord, help that person. And I know you're helping me. And Father, ultimately, if they can be spared, spare them. Because I know if they touch the apple of your eye, that is not a good place to be. Listen, we had a situation done to us that was just bad. Oh, man, it was bad. It was devilish. And uh, we had come to the place to where we had uh, released, we had forgiven, we had let it go. And over the years, I've got some reports back about that situation. And I'm telling you, it has not worked out good for those folks. And I'm telling you, it, it, it kind of makes you just, you know, your heart should hurt over that because really justice was done. Mercy was extended to them. Remember in Timothy, we're to pray that repentance would be granted to them. But listen, if repentance is granted because, you know what, God has worked this situation, and he's extended the opportunity for deliverance for them, and they reject that, it's not going to end well. 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 Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You know, they'll be turned over to tormentors. Remember that? Listen, it's not good. and You and I need to know. You and I need to know that if we'll stay on the love side, God will come through for us. And the ultimate is that these people who've done wrong, that they'll repent. Because if they don't, boy, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And we, don't, we really don't want that. The, the ultimate vengeance is that they themselves, perpetrators, evildoers, would actually get born again. Hallelujah. And they would see the error of their ways, and they would become a minister of the gospel and reconciliation themselves. But should they reject that mercy, it's not going to end well, friends. It is not going to end well for them. First Corinthians 13, we're running out of time here, but it says this, that love is not irritable, doesn't demand its own way. And this is probably one of the hardest elements. Love keeps no record of being wronged. You have a scrapbook of all the wrongs done to you, you're violating the love command, my friend. You have a rehash, you have a repeat, you have a, You know, this repeat episode, and you just keep rehashing and rehashing and cursing and spitting and fighting and just anger and animosity, unforgiveness towards this situation. You've violated the love command, friend, and you wonder why justice hasn't been served. It's because you've not released it to the Lord's system yet. You've hung on to it, but I'm telling you, it's not doing you any good. It's hurting you. It's hurting you. Hallelujah. You know, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ. You know why Jesus Christ came? So that you could be forgiven, friends. Jesus came so you could be forgiven. And he said, look, I have forgiven you. Now go and forgive others. Don't let this stuff eat you up. Be quick to forgive. Hallelujah. Now look at Luke 17. We'll bring it to a close here. Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. You live in a fallen world, friends, and you can just get on the news and be offended because they're spewing all kinds of hatred. You can walk down the street. You can go to go to Walmart. You can, you can go to Aldi's. You can go to your favorite store. Maybe you're Whole Foods, right? Whatever you are, wherever you go, however you shop, You can go to the post office. You can go to the movie theaters. It doesn't matter where you go. You can walk in your own home tonight, friends. And I'm telling you, there is probably somewhere an offense waiting to happen. He says it's impossible to be here, to be here. Listen, who's the God of this age? Satan is the God of this age. It is impossible to be here on the earth, on assignment, and offense has not come. Again, remember Jesus said, the world hates you because they hated me you are a target. There's a target on your back if you're born again. I mean, this is why I'm saying recognize the strategy, friends. Recognize the strategy. There's people that are paid to offend you. Listen, you understand what I'm saying? There are people paid to go around offending everybody and everything everywhere. Get the strategy. Understand the strategy, friends. Don't fall prey to it. I mean, don't act like it's a a surprise, what did Peter say? 1 Peter 4. Look at this. I'm going to turn here quick. 1 Peter 4. He says this. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Listen, don't think it's strange that godless people are offensive. Oh, Oh, I'm offended. I'm aff- it is a strategy. It is, come on, it is a strategy, friends. And if you're ignorant to the strategy, then you're going to be taken advantage of. The enemy is trying. I mean, he is sick like this. I mean, you talk about a pervert. He's trying to draw you into the flesh where he can get you. You know how he's going to do that? By getting you mad. By getting you upset, by getting you saying things you don't need to say, thinking things you don't need to be thinking, rehash, rehash, repeat over and over and over and over, and, and just getting so so irritated, so frustrated, you you're not sleeping at night. Listen, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of perverts out here. There's a bunch of twisted folk. There's a bunch of murderers out here. There's a bunch of thieves, liars. Come on, slanderers. There's witchcraft. It's everywhere. Where can you go and it not be there? He said, don't think that's strange. But here's a command that I give you. Strategy, 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 strategy. Listen, why are you as a believer, why are you losing sleep over this? Why are you all uptight? Why are you suffering with sickness? Because of offenses. It is a strategy. They're going to do it, like it or not. Now, here's what Jesus said back in Luke 17. He said, just make sure these offenses don't come through you. And he said, he, 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 listen, I want you to get a picture of this. I want you to get a picture of this. He sang woe to them who these offenses come through. He said, in judgment, it would be better that a millstone be tied around their neck and they be thrown into the sea and sink down to the bottom and choke and drown in the water. Oh, I'm telling you, God is not pleased. I'm telling you, you touch the apple of his eye, brother. You have just poked the wrong person. But he said, for you, if you get drawn into that type of fight and you try and play according to their rules, God said, I can't help you. I, I, I just can't help you. I cannot enact vengeance against my own covenant beloved people if you get drawn into the ring and try and fight on that level they're spitting all kinds of stuff out here. I mean, they're foaming at the mouth. It's like these, there's a whole mess of people out here. It's like they're affected with rabies. I'm telling you, they're just spitting and f- there's a fit, there's a spit, there's a fight, there's, there's a curse word. I mean, there's an anger, there's a murder in them. And they're trying to draw you into that because they know, brother, if I can get them worked up, <laughs> oh, the devil knows if I can get them worked, if I can get them to get annoyed, so annoyed that they'll curse me. If I can get them to meditate on this wrong done, oh man, I've got them on the run now. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the worst thing you can do for some somebody like that is to say, brother, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you. And I'm praying that you would come to the knowledge of the truth. Somebody steals something from you. I'm not saying you don't call the the police, but but what's going on in the heart? What's going on in the heart? Somebody does something to you, I'm telling you, the enemy wants you to sit there and go, I curse you. That's what the enemy wants you to do because he knows you just cut yourself off from justice. See, the, the devil doesn't want God to get involved. He wants you to try and do it. Because he he knows there's nothing you can do in the flesh, in the strength of the flesh, the arm of the flesh. And if you harbor unforgiveness, listen to the strategy, friends. You keep unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, you'll kill yourself. How stupid is that? If you hold on to unforgiveness, the devil knows it will eat your physical body up. You won't have the strength, you won't have the stamina, and shortly you'll be out of the fight. You'll be out of his way. And he'll have one because you refuse to walk in love. And because of your refusal to walk in love, he knows nothing God can do. Nothing God can do because God won't violate his, his own command. And you say, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have that kind of love. Well, that's a lie because the Bible says that he shed his love abroad in your heart. He put his love in, in your heart. You just need to dip down. You need to, you know, dibble dip down. Double dip down. Uh, dip in dots. Hallelujah. Ice cream somebody. Hallelujah. You need to get down in there. and You need to dish out, dip out. Come on, double dip out some of that love of God for these kinds of situations. That's exactly what it's for. That's exactly what it's for. Listen, there's all kinds of stuff that's going to be perpetrated against you. Here's, here's what you do. Remember, if you'll remember this as a strategy, it'll get easier for you. When somebody does you wrong, be like, I oh, forgive you, bro. I mean, that totally dismantles it. And the, and the devils go, what? What? They didn't fall for it. They didn't fall for it. They weren't spitting and sputtering and getting all upset and just, you know what I mean? In fact, they're actually walking in love. Ah, oh, Foiled again. That's what the, the devil's going, ah, foiled again. Now I couldn't draw them into the arena of that flesh battle. Luke 17, Jesus said, make sure you're not the one offending folk, though. Now, I may mean, I, I? we may accidentally do it. And then the Bible gives provision. He says, if your brother offends you, rebuke him. Tell him, hey, look, bro, this isn't right. And he says, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. Then the Bible says, forgive him. And he goes on to say, in Luke 17, because the disciples are saying, increase our faith. Remember, this is the forgiveness of faith. We've probably majored a little more on the love and forgiveness side of this. The strategy of how to navigate this chaos that's in the world right now, friends. Again, forgiveness doesn't condone or tolerate nothing. It's a strategy. It's a strategy. I'm talking about on a heart level, and I'm not saying there's not certain things that need to be done. Um, the Bible talks about that That um, law enforcement, for example. If these, if these people won't obey the law of God, he's got people in place that will enact a, a law and a justice in the natural Listen, they won't get far, friends. They won't get far. Nobody's going to get away with stuff. Uh, not permanently. It's just not going to happen. You know, and this garbage that's going on in the world right now, I know it looks like that they're getting away with stuff. Listen, trust me, they're not. Now, their day of judgment is coming. Uh, but what are you and I going to do in the meantime? Okay. So this is why I'm talking about strategy there. But here he goes on to say that the disciples, it's like they blow past by this because he's just talking to them about forgiveness. They say, no, 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 hey, tell us how to increase our faith. And in effect, Jesus is like, I just did. I just did. You want stronger faith? Then forgive. Better, faster, deeper, more often, regularly. And he goes on, he tells them a parable about a servant. He connects this servant With faith. And he says, Listen, faith is designed to serve you. It's its duty to serve you. And he says, Don't give it rest. Don't give faith any rest until it has completely and utterly done everything that you've required of it. And he says, It's its duty. It's the duty of faith to serve you. And this is what he was saying to his disciples. Of course, the disciples, again, they were more interested in faith. Maybe they get stuff. I don't know. But he's like, Don't miss the whole point of this conversation. Faith is not your problem. This is what he's telling them. He's saying, no, increase our faith. Jesus said, faith isn't is your problem. Faith is, not your pro- faith is not your problem. Faith will do its duty, come on, if we will do our duty. What's our duty? Jesus drew the line in the sand. He said, you want your faith to be stronger? You want your faith to be out front? You want your faith to be displayed? Then you do your duty. Well, what is that, Jesus? Your duty is to forgive Listen, faith was told in this parable, don't let faith rest until it's done its duty. And Jesus is telling you and I, do not rest, my friend, until you've done your duty. Don't let the sun go down tonight, my friends, until you have done your duty before the Lord. And that's to forgive. And with that, we're done. Hallelujah, somebody. I hope you got something out of that. Listen, you might want to share this with some folks. Because we are needing, come on, to advance a little bit here. And there's a whole lot of Christians who have just been soured. And I get it, I get it, I get it. Nobody likes what's going on, friends. Nobody's condoning this trash going on. But I'm telling you, we're shooting ourselves in our own foot because we're violating the love command. Again, love is not tolerance. Love is not condoning. Forgiveness is not tolerance. Forgiveness doesn't mean you condone what's going on, but it allows God to get involved. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, I would love, oh man, you know what kind of testimonies that I like? Those kinds of testimonies where somebody woke up in a absolute fright because God got a hold of them in their dreams. Ah, God is real. I'm telling you, let God serves up some vengeance for us, friends. Walk in love. Don't violate love. Hallelujah. And in this sense, not in this garbage universalism sense, but in this sense right here, love wins. (laughs) You know what? Somebody stole that. I'm telling you, there's a bunch of groups out here that stole that. They stole it. And they make love look like this nasty stuff that it's not hallelujah oh love is a strategy love is a victory and our victory is in him all right friends thank you so much for tuning in this has been the grace for this city podcast hey listen if we can pray for you it'd be our honor to do so call us 870-741-9099 9099 uh, 9099. there we go leave a message and somebody will get right back with you or send us an email at hello at graycitychurch.tv and we'll send that out to our prayer teams listen somebody We'll pray with you and for you, friends. Hallelujah. All right, until next time, be blessed.